Welcome to this second edition of ADI Stories, the podcast where we dive into the story of driving instructors, looking at why and how they became an instructor, all the things they've achieved along the way, and where they're at now. In this second episode, I am joined by San Harper, an 18-year veteran of the industry, uh, with some very interesting stories about the changes she's made along the way. San also offers some wonderful advice to people thinking about joining the industry and those that are already in it. But before we dive into the show, I am just going to mention briefly, I hope that you have subscribed to this show. It is only a monthly show at the moment. So as the episodes drop, if you're subscribed, they will drop straight into your podcast feed. You won't need to go and search for it. So make sure you click and subscribe or follow wherever you are listening. Also, if you are enjoying these shows, make sure you go and check out my other podcast, the Instructor Podcast. San has been a guest over there previously, and we're currently heading up towards 100 episodes as I record this one. So make sure you go check out the Instructor Podcast, but before you do that, listen to this lovely episode with San Harper. So welcome to another ADI Stories, and today I am joined by one of my most favourite ADIs in the whole world, the ever delightful Sam Harper. How are we doing, Sam? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good to see you, Terry. Thanks, that's very kind. Ah, very kind and very true. Um, yeah, so, so thanks for joining us to share your ADI story. And um, I'm going to say as always, but it's only episode two, so I can't really say that yet. But um, i like to start with the end. So I want you to tell us where you are now in your ADI journey. Um, I am still teaching ADIs and I'm enjoying it more now. It's been 18 years and I'm enjoying it more now than ever because of where I'm at in my own life, my career. Obviously still doing the mindfulness courses for ADIs, which has been wonderful. Um, we've been doing some more of that. And I'm actually thinking, I've just been speaking to Graham Hooper actually, um, because I did the tri-coaching partnership train the trainer thing years ago and never really bothered to do anything with it but I'm thinking of I really think I should probably do some ADI training because I've been doing this job so many years and just the things that I've learned and the things I've achieved I just think I could probably just bring something to the party so yeah I've been in touch with them so I'm probably going to be doing a little bit of that too. Oh and you're also telling me just before you came on that you just got back from a a very interesting retreat Where, where have you been? So it's the Sharpen Trust. They've got several properties. And the one I went to was called The Barn. And it's kind of more of the sort of Buddhist tradition, but it's not heavy duty, you know. Um, it's it's very sort of light touch. And, um, yeah, it was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, second time I've been. It's half silent. So certain periods of the day, um, you're invited to be quiet. And... You can, it's so funny, well, on the one day, on the Wednesday, it's complete silence, but last year I actually took myself for a walk and I found myself having full-on conversations with the cows, the sheep (laughs) and the trees. But this year I sort of stuck around and, yeah, it was so interesting, you know, Terry, because you're you're with yourself and your thoughts and you can't verbalise, it makes you so aware of your thinking processes. And it's kind of, I was laughing at myself because I was kind of talking to myself in my head. <laughs> so it's very, it's very enlightening, actually. 
Well, yeah. I've fallen out with the animals at the minute because as we record this, uh, a sheep decided to scratch its horns on my car oh. today. That's a rub its head on my car. I was busy taking pictures. And I heard this bang and looked, and it's just rubbing its head on back of my car. So, yeah, uh, I might be talking to the animals later in a different way. But, yeah. Anyway, that's enough about sheep head but in my car. Uh, let's go back, because you've told us where you are now, but I want to hear about how you started. So thinking back though, those 18 years, as you said, what is it that first brought you into the, the ADI world? It's a really funny story. Uh, what it was is that I was a legal secretary for quite a few years and then I did a little bit of graphic design and um, and then I just got the opportunity to go off around the world. I went backpacking with my friend um, when I was 31. We had a great time and I came back and I was thinking, oh, I don't really want to be in an office. Um, you know, what can I do? But what, the way this came about was when we did this trip together, we were in New Zealand for five weeks and we hired a camper van. And my friend that I was with, she'd learned to drive an automatic in America. So she couldn't drive what she called a stick shift. So I had to teach her to drive this um, camper van. And of course, we had loads of fun and games with clutch control and whatnot in the car park. So she could drive it too. And that was fine. Anyway, we did all that. And it was lovely. When we got, when I got back, I got contacted by her. She got deported. She'd been living in America and she actually get, got deported from America as an overstayer. So she came to live with me and, and I kind of was going through this, like, I don't want to be in an office anymore kind of phase. And she saw an advert in the paper saying, become a driving instructor. She pointed it out. She went, well, you taught me, you know, in the campground, you could do that. And all it was that really appealed was not being in an office, being able to wear what I wanted to wear, I've all kind of like quite like the idea of being a teacher. But if somebody had told me when I left school I'd be a driving instructor, I would have laughed in their face and said, don't be so stupid. So it's funny, isn't it, how these things come about? And here I am all these years later. Yeah. Just before I ask you about that a bit more, actually, because I'm intrigued with what you said there about wearing what you want to wear. Uh, and the reason that put my attention is because when I first come into the industry, because it's been six years for me, I can remember seeing lots of conversations online, I think more with male instructors, but talking about what they should wear. You know, some people saying you should wear a shirt and others, I wear what I want, I'm casual, I wear shorts. Um, so I'm intrigued. What do you wear, Sam? Do you well, have a dress code? I, I very much do me. And what I mean by that is when I was a legal secretary, you can imagine, can't you, the whole office thing, you know, you've got to sort of wear, I don't think, to be honest with you, the first film I worked out, you, women weren't allowed to wear trousers. I think I was one of the first people that started, I sort of rebelled and I started wearing trousers. But um, it depends on the weather. But as long as it's, you know, I just kind of wear casual. I wouldn't even say smart casual, to be honest. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> casual, you know. Um, yeah, it just kind of do me as to whatever the mood takes me, to be honest. Fair enough. <laughs> So anyway, uh, you, you, your friend was deported. She's come back, suggested that, that you become an instructor. How did that process then come about? I went and did, I don't know if you, um, I don't know if any of you local in Gloucester, there was a guy called Jack Major who'd been training for years. And I kind of, I don't quite know how I got to know him, but I sat in with him just to sort of see what it was like and thought, oh, yeah, maybe I could do that. And then I ended up going to the instructor college in Bristol and I did my training um, alongside another guy who's still working in Gloucester, Martin, who I still see around. Um, so, yeah, that's what I did. And I worked part time. I, I was still a, a secretary. Um, 
again doing that part-time and then I was on a franchise with um, New Driver for a couple of years and then eventually went out by myself and I've my, my driving school's intuition driving school um but I've, I've just got a Facebook page for that now my because my other business is the Guild of Mindful Driver Trainers and I'm most likely just going to kind of amalgamate the two really that makes sense. So thinking back to your training then, um, what, what was that like? Is there any bits that you found sort of difficult or, or particularly um, interesting com- coming out of the corporate world? Yeah, I found, um, I've got to say, I found learning to drive really, really hard, actually. So I've, I've got a lot of empathy for people that do struggle. Um, I think I took my part one twice and I took my, I think it was my part two. Uh, well, it's such a long time ago. I, no, it wasn't plain sailing. It really wasn't plain sailing for me. But I just sort of stuck with it and uh, just kind of... And I remember being terrified. I remember my first lesson, I remember being absolutely terrified, thinking, what the hell? I was on a, I was on a PDI badge, pink badge, for about six months, I think it was. I um, what, what was your first lesson? In fact, yeah, so a double-barrel question here. So that, that first lesson... What was that like? I know you said you were terrified, but what was the lesson like? But also like your first year, because I look back on my first, well, my first lesson and my first year, and the, and I look at where I am now, and it's just massively chalk and cheese. So I'm oh, intrigued that first goodness. lesson that first year. She probably was, honestly, I mean, she probably wasn't none the wiser, but I know I was literally, I was so hyper. I was like talking really fast and quite in a quite an excitable, like, isn't this all very jolly and aren't we all having a lovely time kind of way? <laughs> really kind of upbeat and kind of yeah. like oh yeah far too probably over instructing like way too much trying really 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 hard um yeah but you know it was she was she was a nice girl um I remember the first people I had the first test she took it in her own car um for some reason but I always remember that um but yeah it's just it's been so long though Terry honestly <laughs> I, I think back it's like I think about my first car it was um Micra um the new the newer sort of shape you know the one that looks a bit like a jelly mold yeah um yeah a diesel one of those i yeah. um i remember my first lesson and a bit like you being overly jolly and i can remember saying to him uh something like um i don't care how much you learn as long as you have fun i'm like this like don't matter about fun you've got to learn but i remember saying that i can remember driving Fanlish road and he, he did like uh i don't know move away and stop a couple of times and we come to end the road so I made him get out and we swapped round and I turned car around then we did it another two times and we swapped round night so I must have turned car around about six times and I should have refunded him the poor lad <laughs> but yeah so the thing I want to ask you there then because you've said you come from that corporate environment and then you've come into this one where you are self-employed your own boss how did you find that that transition from being quite structured and almost regimented to this new free lifestyle? Well, the funny thing is, I don't think I've quite cracked it even now, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. If I'm really honest with you, um, the business acumen side of things probably could do with a bit more work. But um, yeah, I, I, the funny thing is, the only reason I went independent was I taught somebody to drive who was a web designer. And he said, oh, if I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll do a website. And he he gave me he did me a website it was brilliant he did it for free and he just you know I kind of I think I must have known him from before a um, long time ago and um, so I just thought oh, this is a great opportunity 
And that's that's the only reason I, I did it. But it has literally been just feeling my way in the dark, Terry, honestly. And i got to say, before the days of the internet, it really was the blind leading the blind. And um, I remember feeling, and I know that I'm not alone for people of my generation, you know, with this, the feeling of isolation, um, because there wasn't really anybody to ask. And new driver just would give me pupils, but I don't remember any kind of support with that. Um and I did become part of a little group, uh, Gloucestershire uh, Ladies, LADIs. We used to meet about four or five times a year, get together and, you know, kind of bounce ideas off each other and, uh, you know, ask questions and sort of support one another. But over the years, people have moved away and people have come and gone. And there's a lot online now, isn't there? There's an awful lot online, which I think is great. There's really, really people are able to get that support and the uh, information, which is easy. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think I want to touch on that for a minute, this this idea of, like you said, about the support not being out there. And uh, and it wasn't, you know, even when I came in, which was only six years ago, the the only sort of, speaking of podcasts, the only podcast that was out there was um, uh, the Dipod podcast. And that, that was monthly. And then you look on YouTube and, and yeah, there were YouTube videos out there, but you wouldn't be interacting with the people on it. You know, it was like, and YouTube is very clickbait, so I didn't find that overly beneficial. So then you go into the social media side and you go on Facebook and, you know, God help you if you ask a question in a Facebook group, and that still applies today. Yeah. And I think that how did you manage – I know you said you you, you met up with your uh, LADIs, um, yeah. but how did you manage with that? Because, you know, I, I struggle, so I think even back when you did, that must have been hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite a sort of gregarious person, luckily. So I'd be in the test centre just talking to random strangers, going, hi, you know, who are you? Where do you teach? What's the name of your school? Just like, you know, I I would just engage with people. And I just got to know people. And uh, one of the ladies I met, I'm really close friends with now. She doesn't live too far away. And we share pupils and kind of support one another. And so she's, and this has been like years now. Um... Yeah, I mean, we're still in touch on Messenger with some of them. So it was just a case of me just putting myself out there and just saying, you know, do you fancy meeting up? Should we get together? And then the more people I got to know, we'd sort of, sort of, we'd meet different people and say, oh, should we invite so-and-so? And it just only grew to about six or seven of us in the end. Yeah, but we have a real laugh, though. We have such, you know, it's so good to share, you know, the, <laughs> the crazy stuff, the sort of the shenanigans, you know, <laughs> that kind of understood, you know? Well, I mean, just on that, because I still think there's a bit of that now that um, I don't think there's as much, sorry, I'll phrase that differently. There's more support definitely than there was available for me and definitely more support than was available for you. But I think people are still reluctant for some of it because, you know, as I mentioned, you come out on social media and talk about stuff, you get your head bitten off. So yeah. the people that are in that situation now, what advice would you give to them? I think it's like a lot of things in life. I think it's about finding your tribe. And I know that we're all ADIs, but I think it's about finding a group of people that you haven't got to pretend to be anything other than you are. And that's okay. I think that's the key thing. You know, it's just it's just finding that community of people. And I and I, you're a part of the community that I'm involved with as I'm involved in your community with the podcast. Um, and you just you just find a certain type of person, I think um and I think it's just yeah it's just it's just trying to find the, the people that that you can connect with and that and yeah just be yourself really I think I think that's a great piece of advice you know you speak about the community there I, I know full well that I could come to you with anything 
you might laugh at me, but you won't ridicule me, <laughs> you know. And I think it's just finding that whether it's one person or, or like you said, a whole tribe. And I think when you find that one person, it generally turns into a tribe because those people just build up. So I think that's great advice. Um, so over the years, you've been a driving instructor. Uh, you've obviously taken several people to driving test. And one of the things I'm sort of asking people, because I find this fascinating, is do you have any stories from driving testing where things have gone horribly wrong or gone amusingly wrong or anything like that? Do you know what? I've got to say, I wish I could come up with some really hilarious story, but it's all been pretty, it's all been pretty sort of, uh, you know, average. Nothing, nothing particularly has gone. No, it's all been pretty. Uh, I've not had any walkbacks, luckily. It's all been pretty okay. I was thinking earlier about a couple of funny stories. And one that kind of sticks in my mind, I was saying to this one guy, because he's been really, really heavy footed with the gas pedal. And I said to him, you need to try and use your toes and not the balls of your feet. Just, you know, light touch with the toes. Anyway, the next week he's there and he's pressing it too hard again. And you go, oh, God, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So I forgot I meant to use my toes and not my balls. <laughs> I was just like, you know, and he didn't even realise what he'd said. And the same guy, what really cracked me up was he said to me, do I need to indicate? And I said, well, it depends. Do you think there's anybody around that might benefit from a signal? And he said, well, there's a cat over there. And he said, I, I, I think he, you know, he, he won't know whether I'm going to, there's a cat over Maybe, you know, he's not going to know if I pull out. I said, well, do you think cats kind of understand what indicators mean? Quite funny. But other than that, you know, you get the old character, don't you? But uh, nothing. Yeah, it's all been pretty um, yeah, straightforward, to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me if cats did understand indicators. On the, on the, they're, <laughs> yeah. a, they're a crafty bunch. Um, what about students? Because you mentioned that guy, but what's your experience with... Uh, in fact, no, I'm going to go back because the other one I wanted to ask around test was what you're like on test day. So when your students go to test, because I am I hate it still to, and to this day. I, I absolutely, I'm a nervous wreck when they're on test, not beforehand. But when they go out, I, I hate it. What what are you like when they go I out? I used to be, and I, I totally resonate with you, Terry. I used to feel like that, but it's been a it's been a long time and I don't feel like that anymore. The only things I think I kind of I breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief once they get going, just with regards to like everything's okay with the car, none of my bulbs have just randomly decided to blow at the last minute or something's not working with the car or anything like that. But thankfully, touch word, it's all been Okay, yeah, and I'm I'm pretty. I th- I suppose it depends. Sometimes with certain people, if they've struggled a bit or they've um, failed before, and they really want it, you know, your heart goes out to them. It really goes out to them. But I don't. I wouldn't say I get nervous particularly now. Really, I think for me, it's um, like you say, it's the students that want it. But I also thinking about the the journey home. It's like, oh, what's this journey going to be like, just in case? But I, I always send the three goals. Goal number one, don't crash my car. Goal number two, pass your test. And then goal number three, just a nice clean sheet. And if you achieve goal number three, you've achieved them all. I think, um, yeah. right, but goal number one, don't crash my car. That's your priority. Absolutely. It's funny you said about the journey home, because if it is, uh, and if they are unsuccessful, I, I, I said, oh, should we put the radio on? <laughs> And I just put the radio on and have some tunes, and that helps to sort of just you know soften the atmosphere a little bit. You have a little bit, a bit of a chat, but it sort of yeah lightens it up a little bit. What about 
your tests over the years, so obviously you'll have taken um, the standard checks and, and, and that those type of tests. How have you found them? Have you got into them with sort of the positive approach of I can learn from this? Or I mean, I think I know the answer to this one, but <laughs> have you been more negative or how have you found that that side of it? I gotta say, the last one I got an A, um, and I went on. I think it was one of the Facebook groups actually, and there was some really helpful stuff on there. And it was like a step-by-step thing. And I actually printed it out and I had it on my lap on a clipboard. And I literally just went through it. Like, number one, do this. Number two, just because it is a bit prescriptive, isn't it? I mean, we all know it's a bit, you know, there's certain things we've got to say. We've got to sort of play the game and kind of get all the points across. So so I did that. And, yeah, and it was, I managed to get an A. So that, that was great. So I, I think for me... Just doing a bit of research, just seeing what's out there. There are there's loads of resources out there. So it was just it was just planning, really. Just plan and yeah. It seemed and I shared it with another friend of mine, another ADI, and she used it and she got an A as well. So I might, might be asking for that before. Long. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah I've probably still got it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. So I want to speak to you a little bit about your development. And I think this is where we can sort of tie into the mindfulness side of it as well, which is a sort of bit more of where you are now. But Throughout the years, what's what approach have you taken to your development as an ADI? Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in development, both for myself as an individual and for the work that I do. So I think I started off with, um, I did the fleet, so I'm fleet registered. Um, I, I deliver speed awareness course. I used to deliver speed awareness courses, so I had to go off to my, one of my local uh, universities and get a teaching qualification so I think it's level three I think in training and education in order for me to present classroom-based courses so I did that and I did live those courses for a little while uh, taxi assessor I uh, did that for a little while yeah so, so and I really enjoyed all that stuff and then the mindfulness came in actually as a, for a personal thing for me because I was struggling with anxiety it was really affecting my work. I noticed I was in a lot of pain because I was so, my body was full of tension. And that would show up, you know, on my lessons. That is how I, I yeah, I kind of was, I was just stressed. I was massively stressed. So I discovered mindfulness. It really, really helped me. Um, and I just seemed to just organically started to integrate it into my lessons um and just to reach a point I just thought god I really need to share this stuff I mean I'm doing this and this is really helping me it's really helping my pupils and so I did and so as you would as you know I've developed the course yeah so one of the courses I've, I've trained in several mindfulness um interventions actually and one of the ones I did was mindfulness and compassion in professional practice which has enabled me to write my own course. I also deliver mindfulness-based stress reduction and I'm trained to deliver mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. Um, so, yeah, so my work is probably more, more sort of um, leaning towards the mindfulness side of things um, at the moment, various guises. Um, yeah, and it's just been, yeah, it's been great and I, I love it. Well, just before I ask you a bit more about that, I want to touch on a couple of other things because you mentioned the speed awareness course. I've, I can't believe I'm admitting this on this podcast now, but I've been on the receiving end of one of those courses at one point and uh, it was the most boring thing I've ever done. 
which had a bigger deterrent than the actual, you know, not running people over side of it. But I can remember right at the start of the course, a woman that, well, there was two of them, but the, the woman that was fighting it said, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Let's just get through this as quick as we can. And it kind of went downhill from there. I'm really surprised. Well, I'm sorry to hear you say that, but you know what? And I'm not just saying this. The team that I worked with in Gloucester, it was like Comedy Central. Honestly, it was like a staff. The one guy, I can't remember his surname, Steve's name was, he was like a one-man comedy show. Because I think he realised if he made it light and entertaining, they'd be more engaged. And it was fun. And we actually used to have people come up at the end and say, do you know what? That was actually all right. Thanks for that. They they come and they'd be all sort of a bit, you know, looking a bit stern-faced, their arms would be crossed. And but by the end of it, for the most part, they'd sort of thaw out and it was all right. It, it, it was pretty, it was quite um yeah, we had it was all pretty upbeat and quite enjoyable. We'd have a bit of a laugh with them and well, take it seriously. <laughs> I'll um yeah. I'll tell you the level of comedy that I endured or witnessed, whatever you want to phrase it. It was the chap at one point drew a picture of a car and he said there's a man in that car. And he's called Ron. And he looked around the room waiting for a response. And no one responded. And he went, we all know a Ron, don't we? And then again, this prolonged silence while he's waiting for a response. I'm like, more Ron? That was the the height of the comedy that we got. Um, Was there like a tumbleweed blown across the floor? There was like a full... A hurricane of tumbleweeds but yeah so that was fun but uh yeah just on the development side of it as well i'd, I'd be interested uh because a lot of people when they come into industry they don't know where to go to development they don't know what they should develop because you spoke then about the the personal and the professional side so anyone that's maybe been in the industry a little while and, and is thinking about should they invest in something what what advice would you give to anyone around what's to develop how to develop I suppose we're all individuals, and I guess it depends, A, what floats your boat, and B, kind of how you are with things. And for me, one of the things that has been a big game changer is, as you know, as we all know, when we're trained to do this job, we're trained to teach people to drive. But we're not taught how to manage our own well-being or support our pupils with their own emotional needs and I know that's not technically what we're there for we're not you know we're not therapists whatever but you've got to have some degree of understanding really to be able to recognize uh, what's going on for somebody and not feel completely helpless to deal with that and I think a lot of people do feel completely helpless or they don't really get it or they don't you know I used to be judgmental I would be really judgmental and kind of frustrated and a bit exasperated a lot of the time But since I've learned about the way that the mind works and, you know, a lot more about what's actually going on for that person, it's made me a much more compassionate instructor. Because I'm more compassionate, it's just it just softens the whole experience. And I think I'm a lot, a a lot more able to not just support myself, but to support them. And it makes a big difference. Well, I mean, you mentioned there about how it's not our role to support them emotionally. I think there's a bit of that in our role. You know, I think this is something that you brought out with me more since I've known you as well. You know, I think there's, I've got a student at the minute and she'll have like a, a five to 10 minute rant when she gets in the car and she gets like an entire week out of the system. She doesn't want me to respond, don't want any advice, but she gets out of the system. 
And she's kind of trained herself that if she hasn't done that, she'll drive worse because she's emotionally affected. And I think that's brilliant because she says every time, this is what I'm going to do when I drive after my test as well. And just by letting them do that, that's managing the, or letting them see how emotions affect the driving, that has an impact. So I think you, when you say it's not our role, I think there's a bit of a role there for us. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do think there is. I really do think there is a role, but it's not something that is addressed when we're being trained. You know, we're, I, I don't ever remember say, anybody saying to me that people's emotions will affect their learning. I was never, ever taught that. I had no idea that how somebody... What, what was going on in somebody's nervous system would actually affect their ability to retain information and, and to respond to my training. Yeah. I, I wasn't taught any of that. So when some when I when I would repeat something a hundred times and somebody would still keep getting it wrong, I'd be like, geez, what is wrong with this person? You know, I would kind of get frustrated because I didn't understand. And I, I mean, I've, I've done courses since about um, neurobiology, um, neurodiversity, sorry. Um, and obviously there's that aspect but even if you remove that part the neurodiversity it's the way people feel affects how they behave but we're, we're not taught that any of this stuff and this is the difficult thing a lot for a lot of people you know and you see it on Facebook all the time you know not just with pupils but just with people's experiences interacting with other people there's a lot of anger and people get very upset by things because they take things personally and one of the biggest things for me is to learn that actually, whatever you know, if you have interactions like that on the road with people, they're just projecting. They're projecting what's going on for them on autopilot. They're on autopilot, and that just that rec- that understanding has just helped me not be so upset. It just hurts less, yeah. you know. It's as simple as that. Definitely. Uh, anyway, I want to come on to the, the mindfulness side and, and how you've developed this, because you mentioned before that you first got into it when you were struggling with that anxiety and, and, your, and your pain. Now, for me, before I started touching on anything mindfulness-based, I was quite a little bit ignorant, a little bit stubborn, a bit like, no, you know, I'm a, a working-class male from Yorkshire. I don't do this. Uh, I was a bit like that. What was your thoughts on mindfulness before you started doing it? say I was quite resistant and the reason I was resistant is my dad was involved in a very alternative he kind of lived in I guess you could call it a community um very it was it's called esoteric school of esoteric education it's, it's to do with in, you know intro, introspection and I was very I just thought they're all a bunch of hippies who you know wore funny funny clothes and totally was not into it at all um yeah so it's funny I don't even really remember what it was that made me think oh I'll try mindfulness I don't even really remember what it was maybe I read an article about it or maybe I just heard something from somebody and I find myself I found myself signing up for an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction course with mindfulness UK which I now teach I teach that course now myself and I just remember not even halfway through that course the realization that I felt different and I just thought, oh my God, something's shifted, and and that's it. It's just, it's just, cha- it's just changed everything. But it, it is a practice. Um, it's a bit like if you did practice yoga, you know, you you have to practice it to sort of see the benefits. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 meant that it's not it's not completely eradicated anxiety from my life. I'm feeling pretty cool. You know, everything's good at the moment. I've been meditating all last week, so <laughs> sort of like topped up on that front. <laughs> 
Um, so it hasn't eradicated stress and anxiety, but I feel far more equipped to deal with it, far more equipped. Um, I don't feel so, you know, you know what it's like sometimes. We all have hard days. We all have things going on in our lives, but it helps you to become, for, for me, it helps me to kind of become the watcher of that experience, the observer of it. So I'm not just whole caught up in the story, you know. How long ago was it when you first started doing it? I'm, lo- I'm losing track. It wasn't even that long. It was, I think it was 2000, I can't remember if it was 18 or 19. Um, not that long, really. Okay. And I did the I did the MBSR um, and thought, oh, God, I need, to, I need to learn how to teach this. Okay. And I think the only other question I want to dive into, unless you've got anything else you want to cover on the mindfulness side, is how initially how did you feel bringing that into your students because you've done it for that long without you know so how did you feel introducing that for the first time and then you know what have the benefits been like for your students yeah it's been obviously everyone's different um for the most part it's been very well received because people who are struggling with um anxiety they'll try anything but if you say and also, I think it really helps just to be honest about your own experience, that human element and say, look, I used to really suffer with anxiety and I found something that really helped me. Would you like me to share some of those techniques with you? And then, you know, they go, oh, yeah, that's great. I've even had people come on to do MBSR. And I even had some, one of my people's mums come on to do MBSR. Um, and it, it kind of depends on the individual. Sometimes it's something I'll address at the beginning or sometimes partway through, depending on what they're struggling with. I just had a lady today. and we, we don't necessarily start with the kind of grounding practice, but she was so caught up in her head and so intensely focused. It just wasn't working. And I said to her, you almost just need to just, just stop working. You'll get, like, get out of your own way. You know, we did a grounding exercise. She needed to come out of her head into the body so we just did a quick exercise with that and it really helped. I think you just start to get quite creative when you've got your own practice. If you practice mindfulness, you start to just have a better understanding of what the things that help you to manage your own stress and anxiety and negative thought patterns and ruminations, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you just start getting a bit creative with regards to when it's appropriate to make that invitation. And it's always an invitation. I don't ever force it on anybody and I've had some great conversations with some of my pupils and some of them get really into it and really and say to me oh you know I've, I've been using this at home I've been using this in my home life and at work and you know it's just lovely actually all right then so looking back over the last 18 years I'm going to ask you a double barrel question now what are some of the biggest mistakes you've made and or that you can think of and some of the things you're the most proud of mistakes I've made I think is <laughs> not looking after myself so nobody can give from an empty cup that's the thing you know you know they say when you get on a plane fix your own oxygen mask before you um see to somebody else that's the biggest mistake I made not recognizing that I was struggling I was suffering um and not knowing you know what to do about it um and what was the other question uh, the things you're most proud of <laughs> I guess the mindfulness integrating the mindfulness yeah into this work it's I think I'm as far as I know, I mean, I know, I know I'm connected with another ADI who's um, done some qualifications as well. And I know he uses it in his work. But I think right now I'm the only ADI teaching mindfulness to ADIs. So it's a real privilege to actually to teach mindfulness to my peers. 
I'm going to be at the DIA show in June um, speaking. I think I've got three sessions to speak at. So looking forward to connecting to more people and more courses coming probably about August time, something like that. And we'll just keep it going. But yeah, sort of even with training ADIs to be ADIs, I'd really love to start. So that I, they've got they've got what I didn't have. They've got the training about how to be an ADI, but also the emotional uh, man- emotional management, the um, yeah, how to sort of manage the the stress and emotional regulation and uh, and all that sort of thing, you know. Okay. Yeah. And what would be the uh, if you were to offer one piece of advice? What would be the one piece of advice you would offer to an of ADI eyes in our industry? Well, to definitely listen to Terry Cook's podcast, <laughs> plug, of course. Yes, um, <laughs> excellent shout. We'll leave that there. <laughs> um, advice: Look after yourself. Recognize when you're when it's starting to start. You know what I mean? Like when when you're starting to overstretch yourself. You know, when you're starting to say yes to too many times, when you're when your diary is bursting at the seams, and you're you're not allowing for your own downtime and your own things that make you happy. When you start cutting back, because that's the things that go first, isn't it? When you're stressed and you're in, you're busy, the things that you eradicate first are the the simple pleasures of life. You haven't got time to do this, that, and the other. See your friends or go out for a walk or whatever. And I'd say it's so important to make sure that you're strike, striking a balance and keeping that balance, recognising that it's really important for your mental health and your and physical health. I like it. Uh, all right, what's in the future? What's in the future for Sam? What's coming up next? Anything you can tell us? Have you got any grand plans? Well, like I say, I really would like to do more training for ADIs. I've been in touch with Tri Coaching. I need to sort of get my uh, get my groove back on. It's been a while since I um, did the course, but I really would like to start training some ADIs more mindfulness courses um and also courses for learners i think as well i think it's um yeah i think it just making it more accessible really excellent so do you want to take a minute to tell us uh well tell the listeners uh, where they can find you and what you have to offer Sure, thank you. Um, so it's Guild of Mindful Driver Trainers, and it's the website is guildmdt.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And right now I've been working alongside the DIA um, to bring these courses to driver instructors. We've, we've just finished our sixth one, so it's been amazing. There will be more. Uh, they're obviously up to their eyeballs at the minute with the conference, but uh, we'll be getting the one off the ground in a couple of months, I expect. Um, so yeah, just have a check out Facebook group, Facebook page, um, website. There'll be things coming up. And uh, yeah, check out. Well, anybody got any questions, feel free just to connect with me. Yeah, uh, those um, links will be in the show notes as well. And uh, really appreciate you joining us on ADI Stories today. But just before I let you go, I'm going to say one final thing because. I mean, you, you're, you mentioned before about the places you are, and you're everywhere at the minute. It's like you open up the DIA magazine, you're in there, you're at the DIA show, you were at the Expo last year, you're on the Instructor podcast, you're on the ADI stories now. It's like sand, it's like world domination. But the the interesting thing for me is, um, like you said, you're the, the, as far as we're aware, the only ADI teaching mindfulness for ADIs. It's like when I first released the Instructor podcast, which is the, the sister podcast of this one, 
um, I put a, a post out just saying that I was doing it. It was, I think it was before an episode was even released and, and you actually got in touch and you said, Terry, I'd love to come on your show. And obviously then came on in season two when we've got to know each other quite well and so on and so forth. But it's, it's been really interesting for me to see someone that's not afraid to grab the bull by the horns and go, this is the thing I believe in. This is the thing I love, this mindfulness stuff. I want to go and promote it. And, and, and just watching that expand and grow from when I think you first inquired with me, I think it was just essentially, uh, maybe phrasing this badly, but you doing a few bits. And yeah. now you're doing all this awesome stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like anything, isn't it? You know, you, you don't really know where, where it's going to lead. I probably need a bit more of a plan, to be honest. It just kind of like evolves. Um, but yeah, I, I I am passionate about it. I believe in it, and it's it's it really does warm my heart. You know, the feedback that we get from the courses, and yeah, I had a retreat earlier in the year as well. We had some ADIs come along to that retreat, and it's just it's just lovely. It's just really lovely to just provide something for people in this industry that is a little bit different from the usual CPD because there's, there's some fantastic CPD out there. This is something a little bit different. And I suppose I'm really sort of just really blown away, actually, that people take up the course because they don't have to. This isn't something that's one of these sort of obligation things that they need to do to, you know, tick box exercise that a lot of us have to do for standards checks, etc. This is people are doing this because they feel that they would they're interested and they they want to sort of help to support their pupils and they want to they're curious about mindfulness or they find feel that they, they need something to support themselves. And it's just been an absolute privilege to be able to to offer that so long may long may it continue well it's what? been an absolute privilege having you on the show today Stan. really appreciate it thank you for giving us your time and sharing your oh, adi thanks. story thank you for having me terry lovely to see you as ever thank you So a big thank you there to Sam Harper for joining me on this second episode of ADI Stories. Another lovely episode there, and hopefully you have gained something from it. Also, big thank you to you guys for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in and really appreciate your feedback since episode one. If you feel like you have an interesting ADI story, feel free to get in touch. You can find me on all the social medias and just drop me a message to let me know you're interested in coming on the show. And then just a quick reminder to make sure you click and subscribe or follow to the show wherever you're listening so it drops into your feed every time there's a new episode. And make sure you check out the Instructor Podcast, the sister podcast of this. You can find the link in the show notes. As well as that, check out the Instructor Podcast Premium. Over there, you get all kinds of bonus content as well as access to this show early. It drops into that feed nice and early and you get loads of bonus episodes and some pretty cracking exclusive discounts as well. But for now, have a great month until next time.